Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. It is your sister Aisha here with a brand new episode of My Muslim Voice, part two of the five commandments that every Muslim writer should know. My Muslim Voice is the podcast for Muslim writers, brought to you by the strangers. And that second part is in the name of meaning intention. So previously, in the first part of this series, we talked about why, why, knowing your why, and how my story taught me about my why, my purpose, my, my reason for doing what I do, my reason for existing. And I call it an awakening, a spiritual awakening. And after that awakening, I want to go more on now the topic of writing, right? And after that awakening, I began to express myself primarily through writing poetry. I didn't journal as much as I did when I was in my dark phase, as you would call it. I remember, subhanAllah, um, back then when I was um, a teenager, maybe around 14, 15, and I would write in my diary. And the very first page that I wrote, I, I had written so hard on the paper that I think it almost broke because I was so full of emotions, right? Gosh, I think back of it now and I think, wow, gosh, <laughs> there was a lot of things going on there, right? But anyway, so the reason why I decided to go into poetry specifically is because ever since I could know, I was always drawn to it. And I know that a big part of this is my sister Kashmir Miriam. In the Muslim community, kind of like in England, uh, she was a pioneer in that, like no other Muslim was known to be doing that at that time. No other Muslim sister, should I say, with a hijab on, who was going to these poetry slams at this young age and just doing it. In America, it was a very different scene, but in England, it just was not happening. So she was kind of like, she inspired me. It was, she was a huge inspiration. So I'd be like, hmm, I want to write poetry too, because I'd always been doing it anyway, but I never really took it seriously. But during my misguidance, I call it my misguidance. Should I call it my misguidance phase? I don't think I should, because I think maybe I should call it my, um, my dark phase, right? My dark phase. So during my dark phase, just before I moved to America, I was part of a group with my girl Sharifa right, Shez, and subhanAllah, she wasn't Muslim at the time, but she's accepted Islam recently. Alhamdulillah, may Allah bless her. May Allah always keep you guided, uh, Sharifa. I'm going to send this episode to you. You can have a listen. But anyway, me and Sharifa, Sharifa and I, we were working on an album. So this is how the album went. I would recite poetry and she would sing. And we were so excited about this. This is literally what I was focusing on the whole time before we moved to America. I was like, I have to get this album done. We had a masterer. Everything just seemed like it was falling into place. And I would do it through poetry because I was like, wouldn't it be cool if we had spoken word poetry with this kind of like dubstep in the background and Sharifa singing? I was like, this is going to be amazing. So as you can see, I was really, really into all of that. And I'm mentioning this for a reason, by the way. And I mentioned a little bit of it before, but I was always writing my poetry through all of these phases. That's my point. My primary expression was through poetry and a little bit through journaling. So anyway, Ben, 
he was our producer and he was mastering our stuff, all that good stuff. And then that Ramadan came and I was still listening to music and I was still falling into these bouts of uh, nostalgia, which could also lead to um, sadness and just depression and just this over-attachment to my past. And I had all of these fond memories. And I remember I was like, when is this guy going to get this album sorted? And it, months went by, but life also went by and months are going by. And this is the year after my whole kind of moving to America, moving to America. But then what happened was Ramadan came and it was it was a time where I wanted to make a resolution because before I'd made a New Year's resolution where I decided to wear my hijab. And at this stage, I was like, okay, what could I do now? I'm praying. And I'm not saying that this was like amazing and that makes me, oh my gosh, I'm such a good Muslim. I'm praying five times a day. I wear my hijab. That for me was like the standard. And that for me was like what I needed to do in order to fall asleep with feeling a sense of ease that I could fall asleep. And I know it sounds crazy, but I would fall asleep in my dark days and I would literally just be in this extreme anxiety within my heart. Everything just felt so wrong. I didn't talk about that last time, actually, but this is what I was, that was happening to me during my dark phase. And then what happened was um, Ramadan comes along and I'm still listening to music and I start getting, around this time, I start really um, remembering how much I love the 60s vibes. My favorite songs that I would listen to, a lot of them were a cappella. And I'm getting more and more into it before Ramadan comes. And I'm moving more and more away from music. But there was one song that I couldn't stop listening to. And I just loved this song so much. And this song was, I can't remember. In fact, subhanAllah, it's been so long since I listened to it. But the words, it was like, if heaven was a mile away. You're probably nodding right now, if you know what that song is. But I, I, I really started to love this song. And then Ramadan comes just before and I'm like, I have to do one thing that, you know, is different. And I decided that that one thing was to stop listening to music. <sighs> yeah, that was a big thing because I was waiting for my album to be released with my girl shares. I can't even remember the name of the group. We were so excited about it etc etc but yeah Ramadan comes and I, th- I tell myself like I'm gonna stop listening to music and all of these conflicting thoughts are coming like what about your album you're gonna release an album soon but subhanallah it never came through and I lost touch completely with the masterer I'm not sure what happened but just a sequence of events happened where I was unable to contact him if I wanted to even if I wanted to I know when things like that happen I just kind of think to myself like wow I'm doing everything in my power to do this one thing but everything outside of me is stopping me from doing it and I think that big part of that is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was blocking the avenues and he was guiding he was guiding me in that way So I just felt it was a time to stop listening to music. That was my thing. That was my thing in Ramadan, that Ramadan. I think it was 2012. And like I said, I started getting into this a cappella 60s vibes and and they weren't really beats because there was no music with them. It was just singing. But what about If Heaven Was a Mile Away? I really liked that song. And then this thing popped up on my, um, I don't know where it popped up, but something came to me and it was just, a pure, it was an mp3 version of the acapella of If Heaven Was A Mile Away. And I remember looking at it and thinking to myself, that is my answer. 
this is what I'm supposed to do and it's not supposed to be easy. And that is what sacrifice is, isn't it? It's not supposed to be something that just kind of, yeah, um, all my needs are met. So now I can do this, but it's more like, am I going to do this? Can I imagine myself doing this? So yeah, that was that was Ramadan. That was Ramadan. If heaven was a mile away and I stopped listening to, um, not acapella, but I stopped listening to music back then. <sighs> yeah, back to the 60s vibes, right? Acapella. I never really got why I was into the acapella. I would tell my friends and they would be looking at me and say, you are a weirdo. Who the heck is into that? I never really understood why until the day that I decided to stop listening to music because it's like Allah gave me a substitute and I was like wow because with that style of acapella it doesn't even sound like music it's just pure hums you know but anyway so that time I was into the whole kind of 60s vibe and I never really got why and my friends did be like wait why are you so into the soul era and that again was for me another sign along with that other sign of you know if heaven was a mile away I mean think of the words if heaven was a mile away right so close subhanallah and that was another sign for me when I stopped and I consciously made a decision that if I ever did get in touch with the masterer that was doing our album I would tell him that I no longer wanted to be a part of it I know it's something profound happening at this time and my writing in itself it changed it became so much more original and so much more deeper. And around this time, I started performing my poems on the stage and a whole new level of test came. I remember this quote, I don't know if it was from my sister, but she posted it, Kashmir Miriam, on her page. But it was, in every new level, there's a new devil. And that kind of hit me right then, right now as well, actually, because every new level there's a new devil, there's a new test. And at this level that I was performing now on the stage, the thing which was hitting me was my intention. And it's no secret, if you're human, that's something that we all battle with. And now being an INFJ, um, now I know that that's what I am. I understand why it was so difficult for me because going on the stage, we have this thing where a whole wave of emotions were hitting me. And this is just a separate thing as well uh, to intention, but this is another battle that I was dealing with was a whole wave of emotions were coming from the audience and I was literally being swept by them. And what I ended up doing was distancing myself from my performance so my mind was speaking and it was a good performance by the books but there was no heart there because I was so scared of being overwhelmed by everyone else's perceptions emotions and feelings and all of these things so what I did was just kind of separate myself from it and my poetry became an act and my heart wasn't really there and that was for me really dangerous because now that my heart and my purpose for doing it for the sake of Allah was being kind of diminished in that way just for the case of survival which I honestly don't think is worth it right now anymore if that's what my question is I'd rather just not do it at all but it felt like as if through this act I was giving a part of my integrity away so in 2017 I remember I was standing on the Ikhna stage and I was around, I'm not sure how many people, but there was a lot of people watching. It was the entertainment session. And I remember thinking, wow, for many people, this would be 
the quote unquote arrival. And I was at a different place right then. It's that feeling of closeness um, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is close to you. And when he's close to you, you can feel just only only that that performance for me was something really deep you know it was really from the heart and because I was in a neutral spot where I wasn't being swept away by everyone else's emotions where so many times I had before in my performances what happened was I got to see things for what they really were because I wasn't attached to what people thought about me anymore and as you probably or might remember from a previous episode of this series I spoke about how I really cared about what people thought about me and that really affected a lot of the things that I did in life until I I went to the complete opposite of rebellion. I'm not going to do anything because people want me to do it. I, and I, it was just a complete imbalance of myself, in, you know, my deepest sense of self. But this performance, because I was in that neutral place of not being attached to what people thought about me, I was able to see things for what they were. And this is what I saw and it really made me think about performing as a whole. And I'm sure like, you know, when there's when there's a reason and there's something that is of benefit to the people and you have a message, I think it is important, if not crucial, to be able to vocalize that message. I'm not saying that that's, that's a bad thing at all, but I'm just saying that sometimes we can get so intertwined within our performance that this act becomes hollow and through that hollowness people's praise can enter our hearts and we did an episode on ego and you begin to think wow I'm really really the stuff right now right I am amazing and then this self-deception is brought on by self-conceit and it leads to arrogance but back to this performance 2017 I began to see people for what for how they were perceiving me and when I got off the stage, people were approaching me. My writing's changed very much as it does over time. But back then, that was the piece that was speaking me, every part of me. So what happens is I went there and this the young girls that were coming to me and they were saying, they were like, oh, we love your outfit. Oh, we love how you did this and you did that. And I realized seeing it from that place, I was like, oh my gosh, they didn't hear a word that I said. It went over them. Oh my goodness. People were not hearing this message. And it really made me step back and think, wait, why am I doing this? And it should have been because of Allah's panel. And that is why I began. This was a huge learning curve for me. And what I learned is that the fight with our intention is not something that should be a fight that is shameful. When you speak in like this person is insincere or this person isn't honest or this person is not being authentic, that shouldn't be something which if the person is trying to fight and they're trying to overcome that, then that's something that is not shameful. I think that is honorable. And one thing that I have realized over time is that the fight for our intention is constant. It doesn't matter what level you are on, you will always be fighting for your intention for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why this second commandment after knowing your why is so essential because we have to be aware of it. And the one thing that shaitan does in his footsteps, his primary way of leading people astray is, guess what? It's manipulating noble intentions. And I have to remember for myself and hopefully advise you, my Muslim writers, just to always be mindful of this. And people will praise you. And 
in our ego talk, we talked about this, and I've touched on this a little bit as well. This will bring a bit more of an understanding of how intention is so important in the writing that we do because it gives us a sense of self. So my tip for you, I always want to end with a tip. I always want to end with some kind of experiment that you can do, inshallah. And there will be some show notes with this, maybe a guide as well. Just check in the details of this episode and then you'll get it. But my tip for you is this. Are you ready? Have you got your pen and paper? You haven't? Okay, you don't need a pen and paper. Just think it in your head, okay? My tip is this. However you write, whether it's poetry or whether you're writing a novel, just before you begin, just sit for a few minutes and consciously make that intention that what you are about to do now is going to be for the sake of God. It's going to be for the sake of your deeper purpose. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide you to be able to write. And that's the most beautiful kind of work that you will ever, ever do. There's also a dua that you can make. And this is all encompassing in the tip. But the main thing is just be conscious, right? Conscious of your intention before you write, before you begin, before you speak, before you perform, before anything. Yeah, so there's this dua and it is to ask Allah to keep your heart on the straight path. I'm going to say it slowly. You can repeat after me and I'll also have it in the link. But here it is. Ya muqallab al-qulub, thabbat qalbi ala deenik. Ya muqallab al-qulub, thabbat qalbi ala deenik. Ya muqallab al-qulub, thabbat qalbi ala deenik. And what that means is you are asking the turner of hearts, because that's where your intention is. You're asking Allah to keep your heart steadfast on the straight path. And it's such a beautiful and such a profound dua. And, um, may Allah bless you all. Thank you so much for listening. If this episode resonated with you, please do subscribe to this podcast. Leave us a review if you're feeling generous, a rating so other people can find it. And these five commandments, if you want to know all of them and you want an actual guideline for you, uh, we have that. So just sign up for that in our information box and you should find all of that there. So pray that you are doing well. May Allah bless every single one of you. Thank you for your time and your patience with me. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.